Listen, did y'all miss us? I missed you. I missed you all so much. I have to like, before we could even get into service, before we could even get to the word, I have to come in just thanking you all so much for your love, your, your emails, and all of your messages from just checking on um, us here in the Houston, Texas area. The winter storm that came in our area, I believe it was winter storm Uri and winter storm Viola, it was real. It was real, power outages, it was muy frío. I have never experienced temperatures that cold here in Houston, Texas. I was like, Lord, uh, I I'm gonna need you to be uh, some warmth, be a fireplace. <laughs> so I just wanna thank all of you guys for all of your love and just checking on um, the church family, my wife and I, and just everybody here in the city who was affected by this rare anomaly event that just happened the week after Valentine's Day. And um, we're back, and I got a message from it. You know, just like for a producer, you can find a beat from anything. You hear a door squeak, you but like, hold on, do that again. You just, you find inspiration in anything, just like that, the preacher finds inspiration in everything. So I have a word for your life on tonight. Go ahead and tag somebody. Let them know we're about to continue this heart rehab conversation. The World Changer series is an intermission. We're pausing that for a second because I'm still learning too, y'all. I'm still learning how to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And just heart rehab is something that I felt as though God wants us to deal with. So, um, yes, I have a word for your soul. High pitch on purpose. Yo, so let's get to work. Our foundational text is coming from 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, just a few verses. It might be a familiar passage of scripture for you, depending on where you are in your Christian journey. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6, it says, Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. Or because of these surpassing great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Our clause of concern and our verse of emphasis, the verse that is going to serve us as we hop on the surgical operation table of perspective on tonight, lives and takes residence in verse 8 of our foundational text where Paul is saying, listen, I asked the Lord three times. I asked him three times. God, take this away. God, take this away. God, take this away. And his response was simply, my grace is sufficient. Church family, what do you do when God says no? <laughs> like, it's hard for us to even process that because we've heard so much preaching about God gives us everything we want and he always says yes. But 
What do you do when God says no? What, what do you do when you don't like it, the enemy's irritating you with it, and God's response to it is my grace is sufficient for it? What do you do when God says no? And I wonder, is there anybody watching this message on tonight that you have probably forgotten or you didn't know that being anointed comes with side effects? Being anointed comes with side effects. Being a world changer comes with side effects. Being a kingdom change agent comes with side effects. Being an ambassador comes with side effects. Being the example comes with side effects. Being a kingdom man comes with side effects. Being a kingdom woman comes with side effects. Having standards comes with side effects. I think I need to park right there. Just standards. I need to park right there, pull over, and put a quarter in the meter. Let's talk about standards because we have standards for two reasons. Number one, I have standards when I understand the value of what I carry. I have standards when I understand the value of what I carry. When you become pregnant, you now make choices conducive for what's on the inside of you. There are certain things I can no longer consume. In fact, if I try to, they're going to make me nauseous. There are certain places I can't go because it is a secondhand smoke to what's on the inside of me. It has nothing to do with legalism, but it has everything to do with the fact that I'm pregnant. And I'm not talking talking about a baby. There's a man watching this message on tonight. You're pregnant with the task. You're pregnant with the vision. There's a woman watching this message on tonight. You're pregnant with purpose. You're carrying something called destiny and standards. Standards are when you understand the value of what you carry. Number two, standards are because my healing is tied to your gleaning. My healing is tied to your gleaning. I cannot give you CPR if I have no breath. And please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. Healing does not mean the pain never existed. But rather, the pain no longer holds me hostage. Did y'all hear what I just said? Healing does not mean the pain never existed. It simply means it no longer holds me hostage because pain builds walls, but healing builds doors. Y'all, I missed y'all. We in introduction. I'm preaching. I missed y'all. I'm, I'm going to give you everything I got. I missed you. It's time to preach. I'm not playing. Pain. Pain builds walls, but healing builds doors. And I can't speak for anybody else. But I've arrived to this place in my life personally where I, will, where I will not allow pain to hold my heart to such a degree where it has built up so many walls where I can't get out and nobody can get in. I need rehab and I need healing because I want to have the wisdom and the healing that can build doors so that the people, God, that you need in my life to help me carry out the vision, the task, the assignment, and the purpose for my calling, I will accept them. And I won't let pain immediately arrest them as a potential offender due to what I've gone through. I need to heal. I need to heal because healing builds doors. Healing builds doors. That pain hits different when it comes from somebody you told all your pain to. We're talking on the night. And this is why so many people feel stuck and non-progressive. 
They feel stuck and non-progressive because prolonged untreated pain causes us to have the inability to remember what it ever was like to not be broken. Did you hear me? Prolonged untreated pain causes for us to have the inability to remember what it feels like to not be broken. First it hits you, then it hurts you, and then it changes you, and then it becomes your personality. So we'll become people who know how to wipe our tears away from our eyes, but we don't know how to wipe pain from our heart. We don't know how to wipe pain from our heart, and so no wonder we don't take risk. No wonder we play it safe, because I don't have to feel the pain of a fall if I don't climb. But here's the problem. World changes were not made to be on the ground. You won't discover your purpose on the ground. You, you won't change the world on the ground. You, you won't become free on the ground. And so I have standards because standards, standards help me understand the value of what I carry. And standards also are for my healing because my healing is tied to your gleaning. Standards help me discern. They help me grow and they help me evolve. Standards. Standards. But, but, but what do you do? What do you do when God says no? I know this may come off a little unorthodox, peradventure, maybe even anomalous for us to have a conversation that provides you with another perspective rather than God being a genie or a Santa Claus. <laughs> This may be a little different for me to provide you with another perspective, but I'm here on tonight to debunk some false ideologies about my king. My heart, my heart's desire as a spiritual leader, as one God has entrusted to serve his people, is Jerry gets the most fulfillment when I see you mature. I can't speak for other ministries. Some ministries are cool with you remaining immature because they can preach heresy. But over here, every single time you watch, I'm passionate about making sure that you mature. Making sure that you mature because you're dangerous when you mature. You become a threat when you mature. I need you to mature because the strength of a tree in a storm is not revealed by the height of its branches. But rather, it's revealed by the depths of its roots. So I need you to mature. I need you to engage in spiritual maturity. This is why I preach so hard, because I want you to have roots that grow deep enough so that when the wind of an insult blows your way, it won't blow you over. When the wind of a racial slur blows your way, it won't blow you over. When the wind of negativity in the comment section comes your way, it won't blow you over. When the wind of setbacks and trials in a pandemic come your way it won't blow you over why because I have some roots I want you to mature I want you to mature when you mature you evolve and hell can't stand when you evolve <laughs> the enemy can't stand when you evolve therefore you can always tell when something has been sent by hell because it always attempts to interrupt your evolution if I was a note taker, I would write that down. If there's somebody watching this message, that was your confirmation. That was like your aha moment right there. You're like, you've been praying, God, if this is your will. You can always tell when it's something that has been sent by hell because it attempts to interrupt. It attempts to interrupt your evolution process. 
I want us to be mature, and I'm so passionate because I understand my assignment in the earth is to get us to a place where we, to the best of our capability, can redeem the kingdom agenda. Redeem the kingdom agenda. This is critical, y'all. This is critical because I cannot have a kingdom life with bad doctrine. I cannot have a good life with bad doctrine. I cannot follow kingdom principles while sitting under heresy. I need sound doctrine. I don't need your opinions and what you found on Pinterest. I need sound biblical doctrine. So I need rehab. Not just in my heart, but in my desire to read the word. The church, many churches need rehabilitation. See, listen, y'all, unlearning abuse also requires for me to unlearn the survival tactics I learned in abuse that I now call my personality. Did you hear me? Unlearning abuse also requires for me to unlearn the survival tactics that I learned in abuse that I now call my personality. That's not who you are. That's who you became based on who they were. I feel this, y'all. This is for somebody. That, that, that's not who you are. This is who you became based on who they were. What if, what if the purpose of this conversation of heart rehab is all about reintroducing to us an accurate biblical version of Jesus of the scriptures and to provide us with heart health? Because a lot of things that are being preached is not the Jesus of the Bible. It's possible for the Jesus in your head to not be the Jesus of the scriptures. Because the Jesus in your head, if you don't like them, Jesus don't like them either. The Jesus in your head, if they hurt you and you want to get them back, Jesus want to get them back. Jesus want to get them back too. The Jesus in your head, if you like it and you want it, Jesus wants it too. What if this conversation of heart rehab is deeper? It's about reintroducing you to an accurate biblical version of the Jesus of the scriptures and to provide our hearts with health. What do you do when God says no? What, what do you do when God enrolled you in a class that you didn't sign up for and you can't drop it? <laughs> what do you do when God says no? What do you do when you pray, God, let this be the one? Like you're praying hard. God, let this be the one. And it's the one, all right. It's the one that caused you to have a prayer life. It's the one that caused you to start binge, binge watching sermons like this. It's the one that caused you to get back in God's presence. It's the one that caused you to recognize, listen, you could do a lot of filters and you could Photoshop a lot of things, but you cannot Photoshop a bad heart. No, ma'am. No, sir. Like you could fake a lot of stuff, but you cannot Photoshop a toxic attitude. This is the one that taught you, you know what? I'm in a place right now, if it's not God's will, I don't want it. I don't, want, I don't care how fine he is, how fine she is. I don't even care how much money this offer is offering me. I want to make choices that are conducive for my destiny. This may not be for you, but this is for Jerry. As I look over the files of my life, I'm seeing this annoying pattern that I am not a good landlord over my heart. I keep allowing wrong tenants in my heart. So I've just arrived to this place. If this is you too, you can drop in the room and say amen. I just arrived to this place. God be the landlord. 
Be the landlord. Whatever you have to evict, evict. Thought patterns, if they don't align with the assignment that you have called me to engage in, evict it. Cravings, evict it. People, evict it. And just, and just don't evict it, God. Also introduce me. Introduce me to people who help me grow. Introduce me to pastors. Introduce me to a community of believers. Introduce me to spaces that are conducive for my destiny. I'm done with trying to do things my way. Lord, you be the landlord of my heart. God, take this away. God, take this away. Take this away. Paul said, I asked God three times, and his response was, my grace is sufficient. And I would like to, for a few moments, introduce you to the accurate biblical version of who God is versus him just being a genie or a Santa Claus. I would like to debunk some false ideologies about my king because he's not a Santa Claus where if you just get on your best behavior, if you just get on your best behavior, he's not going to give you coal, but he's going to give you a car. If I'm on my best behavior, he's not going to give me coal, but he's going to give me a man. If I'm on my best behavior, he's not going to give me coal, but he's going to give me promotion to such a degree where I went from overlooked to overbook. He's not making a list. I'm checking it twice, trying to find out who's naughty and who's nice, because I only come to Jesus to make a wish. <laughs> Santa Claus, Jesus, that's not the Jesus of the scriptures. I need heart rehab. Then for some of us, this is how you view Jesus. I think this is, <laughs> this is like, a, like a, a, a trauma trigger for a lot of us. Y'all remember this growing up? This is how a lot of us view God, that he's just ready to punish. He just, as soon as you fall... I told you not to do that. I told you. I told you. What? What? You smoke weed again? I'm, I'm, I'm ready to throw you in the hell. What? You watch porn today? I'm ready to, I'm ready to throw you in hell. I'm ready to put you in hell with gasoline draws on. This, this Jesus that is ready to whoop you as soon as you make a mistake. And a lot of times, due to how we were raised, that, that's how we view God. That he's ready and just watching. And as soon as you fall short, He's ready to whoop you. He's not the God who's just sitting there ready to punish you when you fall. But he's the God that will catch you when you fall. You may have this, this thought that the enemy put in your head. I don't know why I keep trying. I keep letting God down. How could you let him down? You never were holding him up. He, he's, not, he's not just sitting there up. He's not, he's not just sitting there, up, oh, you smoke weed again, up, oh, you wash it again, up, oh, 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 oh. you did it again, up, oh, you went over there again, up, oh, you lied again, oh, you did, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not sitting there ready to just whoop you. He, he is a merciful father. He's a merciful father, and he's there reminding you that you are my receipt. You are my receipt. Listen, listen, you only get receipts after you have been purchased. After you have been purchased and you and I have been purchased, we've been blood bought. I'm going to give you Bible. I'm going to give you Bible. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 20. It says you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You're my receipt. You're my receipt. When we live a life of repentance, God is like, listen, that has been blood covered. 
Yes, you will get convicted. It's all for the purpose of causing for you to become what I know you are. I'm not here just to punish you. You're my receipt, and I love you. That has been blood covered. And God, I don't know if anybody's ever experienced this about God, but have you ever been so bad? But it seems as though God is just so good. It's like when, when we run into the arms of the goodness of God with the aroma of our secret sin still on us, it's like sometimes we expect him to push us away because that's what we would do or that's what's been done to us. He, he still embraces us. and It's like, God, how are you so good to me? When I've been so bad to you, I'm going to give you Bible. He gives us an explanation. Look at this, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says, not realizing... That God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So it's like, God, you're so good to me, I can't keep this up. God, you're so good to me, I can't keep fornicating. God, you're so good to me, I can't keep on lying. God, you're so good to me, I can't keep on this activity. Because God, you've just been so good to me. And my worship to you is my worth-ship. You are worth it. He's not sitting there ready to punish you. He does allow conviction because he's looking for repentance. I feel led on tonight to debunk some false ideologies. Y'all have to excuse me. My, my, my king was not a politician. We don't get in trouble, but I'm ready. My, my king was not a politician. Jesus is not for the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, or any party. In fact, it was the original will of God that we never have a king or a president. We find this to be true in 1 Samuel chapter 8. But because we wanted to be like the nations around us, because we wanted a king that we could see, it was God's will that he would just be our king. But because we wanted a king that we could see, for the believers, this is how monarchies were established. Jesus was never for dishonoring the laws of the Lamb. We see this to be true in Mark chapter 12, verse 17, where Jesus says, Give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. A politician? That's not my king. I feel led to debunk some false ideologies on tonight. My king was not a tyrant. Jesus is not a tyrant and looking to throw you in the hell and, and to beat you and to flog you into submission, but rather he is the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd that protects us from ravening wolves. He is the one that sticks closer than a brother. He, he is the servant that doesn't just wash our feet, but he washes our sin. He doesn't just, just wash our feet, but he also washes our sin. He's a father to the fatherless. He's, he's hope for the hopeless. He's our liberator. He's our mediator. He's our vindicator and mind regulator. He's a storm calmer and a water walker. That is who he is. He's not looking to punish us. While he was here on earth, his occupation was carpentry, which means he specialized in building things and fixing stuff that's broke. He specialized in building things and fixing things that are broke. He was all God and all man at the same time. This means we can merge them together. He was the God man. He was man enough to step in your situation, but then he's God enough at the same time to step in and to bring you out. My king is not a tyrant. I feel led tonight to debunk some false ideologies. I'm not preaching opinions. I'm preaching doctrine. Because it is my joy 
as a spiritual leader and as a pastor to help you mature. We're going to get in trouble with this one, but I'm ready. My king was not homophobic. I said that. How many, how many people you know are bold enough to say that? Jesus was not homophobic. I know that you may have seen Christians at different events with signs that say God hates gays. That's not the nature of Jesus. That's, that's not the nature of my king. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves you and loves me so much when he wrapped himself in flesh, came among sin-stricken people because he did not want us to never experience, like I stated before, the most holistic and powerful relationship in all mankind, all mankind and that is not creator to create it. He wants us to know him as Abba. He wants us to be son. He wants us to be daughter. Whenever God wants to release us, I feel like preaching, y'all. Whenever God wants to release us whenever he wants to remove a thing he'll remove it and replace it or remove it and become it sin had a hold on us sin had a hold on us and God didn't like that so he wanted to remove it so how did he remove it he became it thus we get the scripture he who knew no sin became sin for us he wanted to remove it so we had to become it. But just so we could set the record straight. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 5. Jesus tells us. For this reason. A man shall leave his mother and his father. And cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. The kingdom agenda. The original kingdom agenda of God. Is for there to be womb with seed. Not womb with womb. Not seed with seed. Anything that cannot be fruitful and multiply itself after its own kind has been manipulated by man. Anything that is seedless has been manipulated by man. But just so that we can keep the record straight, the same blood that flowed on the cross for the heterosexual is the same blood that flowed on the cross for the homosexual. The same blood that flowed on the cross for the virgin is the same blood that flowed on the cross for the prostitute. The same blood that flowed on the cross for the porn watcher is the same blood that flowed on the cross for the one with covenant eyes. It is God's will that we all come into repentance. Heterosexual sin or homosexual sin. He died for them both. My king was not homophobic. I feel led to debunk some false ideologies on tonight. Yeah, my, my, king, my king was not just a prophet. I know that there's some religious groups that deem Jesus as just a prophet. Well, my question for them is, was he a true prophet or a lying prophet? I need answers. Let me know, Sway. I need to know. Was he a lying prophet or was he a true prophet? Because he prophesied that he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, that he would be crucified, and he would die, and he would raise on the third day with all power in his hand, and he actually did it. That sounds like messianic behavior to me. That, that, that sounds like I am the world's savior behavior to me. That sounds like I am that I am to me. That sounds like, oh, death, where's your sting to me? That sounds like I'm a redeemer to me. That sounds like I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the lion out of the tribe of Judah. I am the palm and Gilead. I am the rose of Sharon. He is irresistible, indescribable, undefeatable, undefeatable. 
unstoppable and I wish right now I had a sanctuary full of people because I would ask you if there's anybody who knows that that's your king and he can't be compartmentalized or boxed in because boxes were made for packages not my God boxes were made for packages and not me would you give God a praise in the house right now watching online I don't care if you're in your car I don't care if you're in your dorm room I don't care if you're listening to me with your airpods in your ear going down the grocery aisle would you give God praise that that is your king that's your king that's your king I asked him three times three times God take this thorn away from me and his response was my grace is sufficient what do you do when God says no God you're already here. You're already here, but we're asking, oh God, would you give us a different perspective? So many times we have not considered that following you has side effects. But help us be believers that don't just quit when it gets difficult. Because ease was not the promise. Ease was never the promise. Victory was. And I thank you that we are victorious and that you will change our perspectives to be able to endure. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. Amen. Paul asked three times, three, three times, if God, I don't know if I could, I could, I could keep doing this, could you take this thorn away? I don't know if, if I can continue on with this, can you take this away? God, I don't like this. Can you take this away? And God's response was, my grace is sufficient. And I don't think many of us have considered being a world changer and being anointed comes with side effects. So as we start this mini-series of heart rehab, I would like to speak around this thought from this subject for just a few more moments on tonight. Side effects. Side effects. Side effects. It was about three days before Valentine's Day. My daughter heard the news on and heard our meteorologist here in the city of Houston forecast possible snow. And she was like, oh, Dad, I want it, for, I want it to snow. I, I can't wait for it to snow. Do you really think it's going to snow? And I said, okay, well, just, just let's just ask Jesus, you know, if, if he's going to let it snow. Because Dad can't make it snow. I mean, I can get some baby powder and throw it up and say, let it go. Let it go. I mean, that's about the best I could do. But I, I can't make it snow. So she begins every night. God, I thank you that it's going to snow. I think it's going to snow. And just from wisdom from a sister here in my church, was like, okay, let's also pray. God, make sure nobody dies. Make sure nothing else happens. I said, pray all that too. And she just kind of breezed past that part. <laughs> like my, my six-year-old just breezed past that part. I was like, God, let it snow. Let it snow. Let it snow. And so on Valentine's Day, it snowed. And it snowed. And it snowed. And it kept snowing. And the power went out. And there was ice. And it was cold. And it was 12 degrees. Wind chill factor of negative two. And we went outside in it. This is her right now. She's outside. She's enjoying it. She's playing in it. Until the power didn't come back on. And it's cold. And she's like, Daddy, it's kind of cold out here. 
I want to go inside. Daddy, it's kind of it's kind of dark in here. Uh, I don't like the snow. <laughs> it's like you just you just were praying for snow. It was so funny to me because I'm not exaggerating. She came downstairs just last night and was like, Daddy, I don't like winter anymore. I don't like snow. I don't like Elsa. I don't like frozen. I don't like ice. I can't wait for summer to get here. I, I do not like snow. I was like, baby, but you, you asked for it to snow. Yeah, but I didn't ask for all this. What do you do when you get the side effects of what you prayed for? Your throat. That's what we're coming for right now, your throat. Matter of fact, your scalp. What do you do with the side effects of what you prayed for. She, she asked for snow, but the side effects were power outages. You asked for God to give you children, but can you handle the side effects of the teenage years when they're searching to find themselves? Can you handle the side effects of what you prayed for? You asked for your ministry to grow, but can you handle the side effects of a Judas and negative criticism and, and comments. Can you handle the side effects of, of what you prayed for? You, you asked for God, God, it, if this is not your will, I don't want it. I only want your will. But can you handle the side effects of that breakup? Because you prayed for, for God's will and that wasn't it. Can you handle the side effects of, of, of what you prayed for? You asked God to, to, to help you with your anger. God, I need you to help me with my anger. And so... Can you handle the side effects of on-site training? I'm not going to help you get over this by avoidance. No, I'm going to help you get over this by enduring it. See, a lot of us don't understand that following Jesus is not the anthem of avoidance. It's the anthem of endurance. Can you handle the side effects of, of what you, you prayed for? You ask God and you say, God, I need you to protect me. And I need you to keep my heart because I heard this heart rehab conference with, with, with Jerry and his wife. And they were dressed all up like they were wedding and it did something in my soul. And, and I want to give you glory and I, and I want you to be magnified. I, I need you to, to protect my heart. But, but can you handle the side effects of what you just prayed for? You say, God, I need to sleep. I'm tired of insomnia. But can you handle the side effects of no longer receiving that good morning text? Because you couldn't sleep due to who you were sleeping with. Oops. So can you handle the side effects of what you prayed for? And I believe the problem with a lot of believers is in the pulpit. We've been preaching it's going to snow. But we have not been training you how to handle the side effects of a windshield. We have not been training you how to handle the side effects of power outages. You just want to build a snowman. But can you handle the side effects of what you prayed for? I know you want promotion, but can you handle the side effects of persecution? Thorns, 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 thorns. Ma'am, if you don't know it, as beautiful as you are. Sir, if you don't know it, as fly and as handsome as you are, you have some thorns. You have some thorns. And this is what we see Paul talking about. This thorn. And, and we don't know what Paul's thorn was. The text never reveals to us what thorn this was that Paul was talking about. That was like a messenger from Satan. We, we don't even know. Some scholars and some theologians say the thorn possibly could have been some physical ailment. Which is a reasonable hypothesis due to the plethora of beatings and persecution that Paul went through. Other scholars say his thorns could have been uh, false prophets wreaking havoc in the churches that he planted. That, that could have been it, but we don't really know 
what Paul's thorn was. What it is, what it was, is not the point. How God said my grace is sufficient is where I want to park. Because sometimes we think if we ask, a lot of times God's going to remove it. But what do you do when God says my grace is sufficient for you to handle it? You don't like it. The enemy's irritating you with it. But God is saying, I still see that there's some good out of this. My grace is sufficient. What if it's all for the purpose of giving us endurance? Endurance, the ability to not fold. If you don't know what folding means, that is like a millennial and Generation Z terminology for meaning I won't quit. It might be difficult, but I'm not going to quit. I may be uncomfortable, but I'm not going to quit. I may lose some friends, but I'm not going to quit. Let me go back to millennial terminology. It may be hard, but I'm not going to fold. It may be uncomfortable, but I'm not going to fold. It may be something that's stressful, but I'm not going to fold. What I need is endurance. Endurance. I know you want God to rescue, rescue you from the wild, but sometimes he doesn't. He lets you spend the night with wild beasts in a lion's den. He's just going to show you that he knows how to shut the mouth of the lion. I know, I know that you don't want to experience the flames of the fiery furnace, but the side effect of not bowing to idols, the side effect of not following cultural patterns, the side effects of not following the trends sometimes may cause, cause for you to be thrown in a fiery furnace. But this is the place where you're going to meet the fourth man in the fire with you. This is not the anthem of avoidance. It's the anthem of endurance. I wonder if there's somebody watching this message on tonight that you're limited in experiencing encounters of the miraculous because whenever it gets difficult, you fold. Whenever you don't like something, you fold. And there's a trait, there's a skill set, and there's a quality that every Christ follower must have, and that is the ability to endure. It is the ability to endure. Have y'all ever noticed commercials? Like commercials, it could be about high blood pressure or about migraines. It's like they say all this wonderful stuff. You see this man walking in the field holding his hand with this woman. But when it comes to the side effects, my car, sudden death, heart attack, stroke, you might have a high blood pressure, may lose sound, it may, hit, may catch coronavirus, may not be able to see down your left eye. If you can't hear more than four, 48 hours, make sure to contact your physician. I'm like, what? Bro, hold up. You sound like you at an auction. We have $45 over here, $45 over here. So we have a, Why are the side effects? Breeze past so quickly. What I'm doing right now is I'm not going to breeze past the side effects. If you're going to be sold out for Jesus, the side effect is betrayal. If you're going to be sold out for Jesus, the side effect is persecution. If you're going to be sold out for Jesus, the side effect is some people won't like you. If you're going to be sold out for Jesus, this means some people you're going to have to let go. If you're going to be sold out, for, sold out for Jesus, some people are going to judge you. Maybe this is why so many people give up on the faith and they say things like that. Jesus stuff doesn't work. That Jesus stuff doesn't work and I'm trying to help somebody. I want to try to help somebody who may believe that they have taken a wrong turn due to all the opposition they're facing. I want to provide you with an aha moment right now. Opposition reveals right direction. Please hear me. Opposition reveals right direction. When you are navigating through life 
and you call yourself a Christ follower, if you never experience a devil, it must mean y'all are going the same way. Woo! If I'm navigating through life, and I call myself a representative of Jesus, of the kingdom, and I never experience opposition, and I never experience a devil, it must mean we're going the same way. Because hell doesn't attack those who are going downstream. Hell doesn't attack weak men. Hell doesn't attack weak women. Hell attacks threats. Paul says, Paul says, this thorn was a messenger of Satan to torment me. It was a messenger of Satan to torment me. Please hear me. Hell will always seek to torment the God sent. You have been born because God has sent you in a bloodline to shift something. You have been born because God has sent you to a region to redeem something. And any time you live a life that gets on hell's nerves, hell tries to get on yours. It's not an anthem of avoidance. This is an anthem of endurance. These side effects can be placed scripturally in three categories. Wildernesses thorns, and crosses. Wildernesses, thorns, and crosses. A wilderness is a season of discomfort and detox designed by God to get us to stop liking and craving what we had in slavery. And whenever we have a non-rehabilitated heart, Whenever a non-rehabilitated heart gets intimate with an Egypt appetite, they will always give birth to a child called relapse. Lord have mercy. I need to say that again. Whenever a non-regenerated heart gets intimate with an Egypt appetite, they will always give birth to a child called relapse. And for what God is about to do in the earth, I can't afford to have any more public professors but private inmates. I'm trying to do something real in your life because the oil can only flow on the authentic self, not who you pretend to be. And you can't pretend like you have endurance. You either got it or you don't. And I'm trying to help us to understand the very thing sometimes that we're asking God to remove is the very thing that will help us have endurance. The wilderness deals with our slavery mindset. Porn is for slaves. Weed is for slave. Non-covenant sex is for slaves. Alcoholism, drunkenness, that is for slaves. I'm placing you in a season where I could deal with your slavery appetite. I'm trying to deal with your patterns because like we learned in the heart rehab conference, people lie, but patterns don't. People lie, but patterns don't. I'm trying to adjust and I'm trying to demolish your patterns. This is why you're in the wilderness. This is why I tell you to love me with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Because there are going to become times in your life when I put a principle or a command before you that your mind is not going to agree with. But since your heart loves me, your heart is going to be able to veto the thoughts in your mind. And there's going to be times when I ask you to follow a principle or a command that your heart's not going to agree with because the heart is deceitfully wicked. But if your mind is renewed, your mind can override your heart and you'll follow that principle. And then if both of them fail, your mind and your heart, I'm putting my spirit on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit will be your Uber that can get you to the next destination of where I'm trying to take you. This is why I place you in a wilderness. I'm dealing with your slavery 
mentality. The wilderness is a season of discomfort and detox designed by God to get us to stop liking and craving what we had in slavery. Now thorns, thorns are different. Thorns are something the enemy uses to try to get us to abandon our post. This is powerful, y'all. Thorns is some form of an irritant that the enemy is using. He's trying to cause this irritant to irritate you so much where it causes for you to abandon your post. So you won't be able to see. I know some of y'all are like, dude, he's just grabbing props out of thin air. <laughs> like you won't be able to see the beauty of you blooming because you keep complaining about all of your thorns. And if you don't have the right perspective, you'll be complaining about storms and thorns. I'm trying to get you to understand. I want you to be mature enough so that you can have roots where you can see that even though I'm having storms and I have thorns, I'm also blooming. In fact, this is not a storm. This is watering. I grow from stuff like this. Thorns. Thorns. Thorns are something that does not bring you death. But it does bring you irritation. It's something that you don't like. I don't like it. I want God to remove it. The, the enemy's using it to irritate me. But God is saying this is good for you. I don't like this. God's like, I like the way you're praying though. This is uncomfortable. I like the way you're fasting though. Yeah, this hurts. I like the way you're seeking my face though. God, take this away. I like the way that you binge and watching sermons every single Thursday and every Sunday night at 6. I like what you're becoming. God, but I don't like how I'm feeling. I like what it's producing in you. Thorns. The psychological warfare of the enemy. The psychological warfare of the enemy is to get us to never look at the blooming, but to always look at the thorns and the storms. So you can't see that you're growing. You can't see your evolution due to the thorns and the storms. Now crosses are for stretching. The purpose of Jesus was to show us how to live life the king's way and to get on the cross and to die for our sins. To get on the cross and die, shed his blood for the remission of our sins so that now access has been granted. Jesus was stretched on the cross. Whenever God hands you a cross, it's because you're going to be stretched to a point of something in you dying. Something in you is dying so that others may live. Something in you is dying so that you may hear my voice. Thorns, wildernesses, crosses. So point number one, thorns are meant to keep you humble. Thorns are meant to keep you humble. Paul says it this way in verse 7. It says, Or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Thorns keep you humble. Number two, thorns keep you heaven dependent. This is so good, y'all. Thorns keep you heaven dependent. I can't do this without you. I can't, like... I can have the seeds, and I can, I can have the soil, and I can plow the field, but I can't make it rain. This might mess you up. I'm going to go a little bit deeper. A lot of us don't even recognize that we're in wrong places because we keep providing what we want with the sprinkler versus waiting for the confirmation of rain. A sprinkler waters what you want to grow, 
But the confirmation of rain is God saying, I need for this to grow. And sometimes you don't even recognize what you're pursuing is all about what you want because you're doing everything to make it grow. But then sometimes if you ever are doing a work of the kingdom and God wants this thing to grow and God wants this thing to flourish, you can get rain after rain after rain because I'm growing this, not your prideful sprinkler system. This is me growing this. It's my confirmation. Number three, thorns keep you from being comfortable. I thought this was so powerful. I was researching things about thorns, and you may not be able to see this. I don't know if the camera can really pick this up, but um, the florist informed me that the majority of the thorns on a rose are at the bottom. They're thorns all up and down the rows and that they clip some, but the majority, like the cluster of the most part of the thorns are near the bottom. <laughs> it, it, it's because the thorns at the bottom, see, you don't even recognize. You keep on feeling bad about yourself because of all the thorns you have, but your thorns also protect you from things grabbing you. The, the thorns are protecting rodents from eating around your roots. The thorns are protecting you so that you can continue to get depth. And I said, man, this is powerful. And then she told me, she said, you understand that eagles, eagles, they don't just kick their eaglets out of the nest for them to fly. Sometimes they actually get thorns and put it in the nest too so that their baby gets uncomfortable. I wonder who's watching this message that is trying to get comfortable sleeping on thorns. God is calling you higher. And he's calling you deeper because callings will never be discovered in comfort zones. Whenever God wants you to experience another altitude, he always, bother, he always bothers your nest. Had to put some thorns there because you've gotten too comfortable with cursing people out. You've gotten too comfortable with not worshiping. You, you've gotten too comfortable with not serving. You've gotten too comfortable with not reading the word. So I will allow thorns to be in your nest so that you could leave this place of comfort. Lastly, thorns protect and perfect. They protect and perfect. Paul recognized this is present in my life. It's going to keep me humble. And thorns are at the bottom to protect me from rodents and pests that would try to mess with my roots. See, it's okay. It's okay if something hurts me and I may lose a piece of the petal. As long as you don't mess with my roots, that is my faith. That, that, that's, that's my prayer life. That's my devotion. I'm still going to bloom and I can grow that back. And I'm trying to get us to understand that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it comes with side effects. But don't minimize your thorns because there's purpose in the thorn. So God, would you help us would you help us to be able to have a kingdom perspective? Sometimes you say no, but the same amount of love that is submerged on when you say yes, the same amount of love that is submerged on when you say yes is the same amount of love that is submerged on when you say no. They're both submerged in the same amount of love. And God, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. Help us to be able to endure the side effects and not just desire the blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.